Hey, it's Justin Verrier from Group Chat on the Ringer NBA show, and we want you to come hang out with us at All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. Big Waz, Rob, and I are recording a podcast live from Hi-Fi Indianapolis on Saturday, February 17th at 2 p.m. with friend of the show, J. Kyle Mann. Get your tickets now at HiFiIndy.com. That's H-I-F-I-N-D.com. Get your tickets while they last. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's poppin'? Real ones, Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell there. This is the Thursday Real Ones. I told Raja, for everybody listening, I told Raja uh, the quick rundown of what today's pod was going to be. Um, the first segment, as we're going to talk about the week that was for refer- NBA referees. And Raja, his face was, let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> like you've been pondering and thinking about this for no. a second. No, no. More so that I feel I feel bad, you know. I have empathy for the and sympathy for the ref, referees. Okay, let's paint this picture. Let's paint this picture first, and then I'll get your take on it, and then um, we'll, we'll get to the episode. First, uh, the first instance of refereeing gone bad um, was the Lakers Raptors game, mm-hmm. in which the Lakers out free throwed the Raptors had more free throw attempts than the Raptors in the fourth quarter, twenty three to two, and. The, the Raptors coach, Darko Ryakovich, went in. And one of those, one of the best tirades, if not the best tirade against the ref that I've ever seen. It was like, it was like a European ref that just goes hard. It was, yeah. it was, that was better than anything that I could have imagined. It was the best storyline. I couldn't wait to get up in here and talk to you about it. Um, that, that happened. And we'll get to that first. Uh, what were your impressions of the rant? what it means for a young team, what it can do to galvanize. What was the whole shebang? What was Raja Bell's uh, reaction to the whole shebang? Yeah, that's that's interesting. A lot there. Um, first of all, what it does for a young team is it just, it just, if there were any, if the jury was out at all on whether or not he had your back completely, if he was fully invested, like that showed that he did, right? He know, You know fully well you're going to be fined. Um, you know that there are going to be ramifications for that, but you felt for your players 
and their efforts, um, you felt so strongly that that you had no choice. And sometimes coaches have to do that. I don't, I don't think this was one of those scripted. Sometimes a coach will come out and like get a tech defending Logan just to show Logan, hey, bro, or to wake his team up because he's in some sort of, you know, coaches strategically do stuff like that. I don't think this was strategized. This was him at his wits end and not understanding. So that's what it does for the team. Hey, he got our, he went to bat for us. The coach, coach ain't with that. Like he went, he totally went to bat for us in a way that he knew there would be, you know, consequences because of his actions on, on, on the coaching side, like where he was, um, it's interesting because the European game, Logan is a more pure product than the NBA game. The NBA game is an entertainment dollar, uh, business. Um, so it's a hybrid of real, real basketball. Like obviously there's incredible skill level and talent size and athleticism. You see shit on NBA courts that you don't see anywhere on the planet. Like, so I don't mean to undermine how great it is but at the end of the day it is it's big business it's entertainment and not that it isn't big business in europe but the game is more pure like they're not they're not they're not changing rules like the nba does for points to be scored so it's a better viewing thing like they they don't dive into that as deep as we do and so what you saw was a coach who's very very accomplished at his wits end and frustrated with the politics of, of NBA. And he wasn't, see, it, it, the refs were the, 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 the symptom that night. Like that's what he was mad at, but really he's mad at the league. Cause that's a league thing. That's not the refs mm-hmm. coming out saying, Hey, we're going to give Toronto the business tonight. Like that, that's not what that was. I don't think that there would be any type of, there would be any type of, mandate from anyone to say, Hey, Toronto don't get to win tonight. I'm not saying that I'm saying this is, this is just what it is. Stars and names are going to get calls in a way from refs that, that players that haven't reached that level of accomplishment aren't going to get. And, you know, that's how it manifested itself the other night in, in 23 to two discrepancy and fouls, you know, in the second quarter, I've told this story before. People don't want to hear this shit. People don't want to hear it. Right. I, 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 I had an instance with Kobe Bryant in the Staples Center. I was playing for the Utah Jazz. I was up in his stuff, like crowding his space. He shot me a quick elbow, cut me under my cheek, uh, under my eye. So we kind of, you know, nose to nose. The refs come in and give us double text. He was heated. In my presence right there, he looked at that fucking ref and said, call it even tonight. <laughs> I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I was in utter disbelief. My face was like, what the fuck just happened? So now I couldn't tell you how that was going to play out. That was just a dude who I had gotten right. under his skin. We were at each other's necks. The refs had to step in. And that, that's what came out of his mouth. What does Raja Bell's face look like after some, after, like, <laughs> after what? I'm like, bro, he just said that. Like, um, and so it, it, the reality of that game was I went to the free throw line more times that night then I typically went to the free throw line. Like I was, I, I don't know why. I mean, you telling me I was that much better of a player that night? I, I don't think I was. It, I, I went to that damn free throw line more than I normally did though. That's my, that's my experience with that. Happens to happen in Staples Center, don't it? Huh? Always happens to happen in Staples Center, right, Rob? <laughs> well, I'm not, but, but listen, I'm telling you, I'm not even beefing and tripping off of that. Like I've told you, I was an extra in the movie. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about this your experiences versus the Raptors experience both happen. Oh, happen is happen what I'm state. saying. Look, there are a couple of things that go into that, right? Like star power we talked about. Me, Kobe, then sure. LeBron and AD, right? But also 
you know, v- venues and and home crowds and you know, you'd be naive to think that refs don't know how story to franchise the Lakers are and that you're playing in Staples. Like there's a lot of dynamic that goes into a human being wearing those stripes, you know, maybe giving you the benefit of the doubt or not on that particular night. So one of the questions that I did want to ask you, and it, the, 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 the free throw discrepancy is a lot in the fourth quarter, specifically for, you know, th- this game. Um, I want to, I want to put on uh, Raj's hat and play devil's advocate really quickly. Yep. And, Usually when you see a free throw discrepancy, it's 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 a bit more nuanced than you might think. Right. Like it's not always it's not always black and white that, oh, man, this team got more free throws than us. This is an unfair thing. This is just an unfair advantage. Sometimes another team is just way more aggressive than you. Right. Sometimes sometimes it just gets that way where maybe the team that isn't going to the free throw line probably isn't going to the cup and isn't being as aggressive. And it just happens that way. Um, In this case. I'm not sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of video evidence to suggest that there was definitely a difference in the way the game was called. In the immediacy after that happens, what is Darko saying to his team after he does this rant? How does the from a young perspective, this is a team that still kind of figuring itself out, has RJ Barrett. Uh, they just brought him in. It seems like they are going to move Pascal Siakam at some point, probably during this deadline. They're just in a, in a, a different time. They're trying to transition into a winning team. What are what is what is Darko saying to this group afterwards? How do they respond to this? How does this galvanize a group, a young group? Well, I, I think his message is we just got screwed tonight. Everybody saw it. You guys lived it. I lived it with you. There's no it, it makes no sense to sit in here and try to put lipstick on a pig like that shit just happened. But that's where we are. And so I'm proud of the fight. I'm proud of the fact that we were going toe to toe despite, you know, five against eight. We had a chance to win the game. And, you know, I, I would also take the chance to, to to point out situations in the game where we could have been cleaner that might not have put us in that position despite what the refs were doing in the game, right? Um, but the fight was good. We're a young team. We just keep fighting. I also loved how, you know, he specifically called out players by name just taking an opportunity on a, on a huge platform in a rant that you know is going to go viral to tell people about Scotty Barnes and how good of a player he is and that he's going to be, you know, a multi-time all-star face of the league type of player. Like, you know, I think he went to bat in a big way for, for his team in that rant in the locker room. I think you're keeping it a buck, you know, that, that sucks, but that's where we are. And what he might not have the experience of is, is, is lifelong NBA coaching experience where you could say, Hey guys, that's just part of this business and where we are and on our arc um, you know, as a team, we're young, don't have guys that are going to garner the respect of referees in that way. When we play superstars, um, we will get the short end of the stick in certain situations. We've got to be better than that. Don't think this is forever. As we continue to ascend, you know, we will start to get those whistles. It's kind of a rite of passage, but like, let's stay the course. You know, I don't know if he has the experience to really know that that's probably not forever. As long as they keep developing as a team and Scotty gets better and RJ gets better. But, um, I think that's his message. What else can you say to your team? No, it, 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 I was, I will say this. I was pumped up just watching it. I wanted to go play for him. I wanted oh. to be a, a, a 14, 15 man on a bench. That was, it was a great thing to wake up to. It was a dope rant, man. It was, it was, it was heartfelt. And I really felt for him because again, I played for, for a little while overseas and I, I know those coaches, um, 
you know, I've talked about a, a, a cat named Dusko Ivanovic that I played for over in Spain. They don't play the type of games and they're not used to having to play the type of games that you would have to play in the NBA a lot. Well, refereeing is different at that different, right? We had Sue Bird on earlier this year or last year, and you guys are talking about just the difference in just refereeing overseas and out here. While it is entertainment, right? Because there's big money to be made in some leagues overseas. I don't think it's marketed like that. And it's not the deals and the the revenue produced by the deals isn't swaying decision-making as it pertains to rule changes and, and, and things like that. That's the best way I can say it. You know what I mean? Like I, I think with, with even with a uh, refereeing, like it's not even just what happened in the refs are not having a good time in this last, in this last couple of months. And I know that refereeing is a hard thing to do, but when I talk about this next uh, instance this week, the Celtics Pacers ending, which had a review in it, right? Where let me just paint the picture. There is a foul call that was against Buddy Hield hitting um, Jalen Brown in the head as he's shooting. Somehow that gets reviewed and then overturned when everyone in the world saw Jalen Brown get his head hit uh, in the waning moments. And then you have a Kristaps Porzingis uh, foul that is ruled at the end in the last two minute report that it isn't a foul. Um, that's I think even more egregious, Raja, because I mean, you could say in the Raptors uh, Lakers uh, game that, hey, like I just said before, 23 to two, that could be subjective. Hey, one team wasn't being aggressive enough. But when you have a, a, a league and a referee base review a call that is clearly one way and they get it wrong and then they get another call wrong, that's consequential in the Eastern Conference um, in, in an Eastern Conference race. That's a little bit different. And that's where I say, Raja, that they need to get it figured out because the whole reason why we have reviews is so this shit doesn't happen, right? And it doesn't matter when it's in a last two-minute report. That's not, that's not helping a team out. Um, it's, it behooves the, the ref to get it right the first time around. And that's what's more concerning in my eyes, Raja. Yeah, I mean, these are two different scenarios for sure, right? One is... Hey man, people get preferential treatment for the refs. That's been in that's been since the dawn of time in the NBA. Like MJ got a bunch of free throws. So come on, like that's just what it is. The other one is just, you know, human beings getting something wrong. I I, I want to be clear. I don't want to like rant and rave. I my sister was a, a, a division one ref. My my father was a I don't know if he was a division one ref, but he was a college basketball referee. I know a lot of people. Dedrick Taylor is my good friend. He's an NBA official. Um, Johnny Goble is an NBA official. He's a friend of mine. He came up in the Miami Basketball League. Dedrick Taylor was my college teammate. Um, Eric Lewis, um, recently out of the NBA for some for some crazy <laughs> stuff, but a friend of my sister. So I am close to refs. Like I know a lot of refs personally in my family. It is not an easy job. Like it's not. I can get up here and tell you, you know, that they need to be better and. And some of that shit is egregious and whatnot because it affected my livelihood in a way. And my job wasn't easy either, but their job is not an easy job. Um, having said that, it's what you signed up for. Yeah. And, you know, it, just like any job, mine included, like if I'm not doing it well and I'm making mistake after mistake, there got to be some, some ramifications for that. And I get it. They get graded and you know, the better graded refs get to get the playoff games and they're incentivized to be better and stuff like that. And that's, that's cool. But you know, I don't have an answer for how you get that right. If there's replay involved 
everyone's looking at it and you still get it wrong. Well, what's the answer to that, Logan? I don't know what the answer to that is. It's it's, it's basically might as well not even have the, the reviewing process if you're going to get it wrong that egregiously. What's, what's the fuck's the point? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the. I I go I I vacillate. I go back and forth over the review anyway. Um, I, there's a part of me that understands you want to get it right, and, and you know some games the outcomes have been changed because of it. And there's a there's an old school part of me that's like, look, man, shit was fine before you had it. Yeah, but like I, I don't know. I go back and forth as well, right? Like it's not only in basketball but in football, you know, especially when because my thing we're reviewing is if if you don't have it there are going to be so many times where maybe there's a questionable call here, questionable call there, where if the game is on the line, this is legacies and critical, all yeah. these, I mean, you know, it's so yeah. critical mm-hmm. that if you didn't have it, you definitely, there's always a time where you wish you would have had it. Right. Like, I don't know. I think there was a playoff game against the Cowboys and the, and the Niners back in the day. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Romans, but there was a, a, a Jerry Rice catch and I think he fumbled it or something like that. And his knee was clearly down, but the ball didn't, the ball, there was not a review process in place. It could have been that game, but it could, it could be always others. Right. But like those types of things in a playoff game where you would want, where you would want it, if it's not there, then you're like, a lot of things could go bad and legacies are on the line. I feel that. And like I said, I kind of go back and forth on it because I would, I agree. I mean, I guess it, Depends on what side of the the ledger you're on with that, but like last night, I'm watching the end of the Celtics and 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 T Wolves game, and this play stuck out to me because, I mean, I think it was yeah, it was Ant, it was Ant taking it. Um, they got the ball, Tatum and missed the free throw. They got the rebound, scored, and Ant had the ball late. Got to his right, got downhill, going to the free throw line with uh, I don't know five seconds left, and they reviewed it. Like Boston decided to review it, right? And the players were adamant that they didn't foul him. And I, I only, it, it was a foul. But what stuck out to me in the moment when I was watching the review was those refs could make any decision they want in that moment based on, like, it's not black or white whether he was fouled or not. Like, if there was some contact early and then he was let go and wasn't fouled at the rim, they, they just say that was the contact. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like an ironclad way to get it right. Evidence by your initial question to me, like they could look at that film and if it fits agenda for any reason, not saying that they always have an agenda. I mean, there's a, there's a way to skirt the reality of what happened. If you wanted to, it's not an exact science and it's not like, and I do want to say like ref jobs are hella hard. You know, my uncle money was a ref for really the show. hard. Uh, he, he was uh he was a ref at, um, for the pack 12 or pack 10 at the time. And just, the stress that comes with that. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's, you're playing and like all eyes are on you or all eyes aren't. It's, it's one of two things. All eyes are on you because you fuck up and no one cares when you, when you are good and you have a good game. It's just like, oh, that's what you're supposed but to do, right? That's it's the a, job. I know. If they don't know you're there and that game went off and it was a great game, you ref the hell of a game. You ever been a ref, Rossi? Um, no, a, a real ref? Like I've refed at yeah. summer camps and and no, I have no interest in no no little kid just ran up on you like it was a fucking foul. Yeah, no, Coach I can't. I'm that not, no. That oh yeah, they do that in practice. And my practice. my response to them in practice clearly clearly illuminates for me that I have no business being a ref because I <laughs> no I don't I don't even take that well in a practice scenario. <laughs> I don't even deal with that well in practice, Coach. That's a foul. Hey man. Who's roughing this goddamn game, boy? 
Yeah, yeah. Who, the, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? <laughs> no, it was. And then you realize you're wrong, and you're like, "Damn, my bad. You're right. Damn." Well, no, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't admit you're wrong when you when you ref a practice. I don't know. Um, I you will. If I, if, yeah, if I'm if I'm really wrong, but I'm rarely wrong in practice because I got the whistle. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break and let's talk about one of uh, Roger's old coworkers, Tyloo. Get in on all the NBA buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Let's go through some of the NBA scores that we got here. We have Nets and Cavs in Paris. That should be fun. Taking the under on that one. I know y'all not used to that. Let's go to Celtics Bucks. Going to take the over on that. That's more like me. Trailblazers Thunder. Going to take the over on that. Knicks Mavericks. Going to take the over on that. Lakers Suns. Yuck. Going to take the under on that one. And when you're doing these bets, make sure to do it on the app, which is so easy to use because there are so many ways to bet. Like live same game parlays. Find bets also in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 years and older and present in select states. $5 money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And we are back. Um, Kawhi Leonard. Um, sign an extension, three-year extension with the uh, with the Clippers. And that immediately made me want to talk about someone else. And that one guy is Mr. Ty Lue, who has led the Clippers to win 14 or the last 17, um, the hottest team in the league, the most exciting team in the league, Raja. Mm. Um, I just, we always, we always allude to how great of a coach Ty Lue is. But I think we're seeing a masterclass in how um, and, and how and how great he is in this season. And I think even in, ba- in, in past seasons, his greatness as a coach was overshadowed by things beyond his control. And Cleveland doesn't really matter how good you are as a coach if LeBron James is your star player, right? It's kind of like being a referee. Like if it's going good, you're not getting none of the credit, and you're it's pro- no one's probably going to say anything. If it goes bad, that's when we're going to hear your name the most, right? And then he goes to um, the Clippers, where has to do with a lot of injuries, um, and the fact that they are that they have continued to be afloat says a lot about how good Ty Lue is, a, is as a coach. But the casual fan isn't going to see that, right? They're mm-hmm. just going to see that the Clippers are a forty-one team year in and year out, and they'd be like, "Well, what do you mean he's a good coach? Like this is an average team on paper." Uh, but I think now, when you're having all of the personalities that are in the Clippers uh, on the Clippers roster uh, integrating James Harden relegating Russell Westbrook to the bench, um, having a great Kawhi Leonard season and PG season, all coming together at the right time. How has this happened, Raja? What does this say about Ty Lue as a coach? It's a big, it's a big question. Ty Lue, is, Ty Lue is a great communicator. Let's start, let's start there. Um, because so, so much of dealing with the, the NBA personality um, as a head coach, the NBA player personality as a head coach is is communication, um, and and being able to, you know, clearly articulate and express your message uh, of what you expect 
and how you think things will work both individually and collectively. Um, and then be able to maybe listen to someone that might have a counter to that without acquiescing to every demand, but having flexibility enough, if it makes sense to say, Hey, maybe, maybe there is some, maybe there is some wiggle room here and he's not afraid to explore that at times, you know, like, and there, and there's a fine line between that and being a pushover, you know? And so when I watched Ty and I, just while I was around him as he was an assistant in Cleveland, I thought he had a really, really great feel for relationships. Um, and that's, it sounds corny, but, but it, it's deeper than just having a relationship with someone like the fear that you have for a young coach that was a player is that they blur the lines between being cool and having that cool relationship with the player and then having a firm enough hand to hold him accountable and make sure he understands when you ain't in that, Hey, I'm your, I'm your boy mode. And that's a hard thing for young coaches. And so as I watched him, like Ty Lu was as good as I've seen of a guy being able to get right up to the line of like, yo, I, I'll come back here and throw a couple cards on the table with you maybe, or, you know, we can, you know, we can talk in a way that you don't hear many other coaches talking to players because I'm that close to your generation. But at the same time, when it's business, he, he drew the line in a way that, that people knew they didn't, they were like, okay, there's a line. I'm not going to cross that. And so he has a very, very good ability to do that. And when, when he's got those genuine relationships with players, you know, there's more trust. There's more understanding when a message isn't something you necessarily want to hear. And I think he, he does a great job of that. Now on the court, I think T. Lou sees the game from a player's lens in that I don't think he's all the way analytically driven. Not that every analytics coach is, but I think he blends the two very well. Like T. Lou, I'm watching them the other night. I think they were also playing Minnesota for all the T. Wolves fans that say I don't, I don't watch T. Wolves games. Okay, I think they were they were playing Minnesota, and they were. It was some incredible shot making, by the way. Hey, like, T. Wolves fans, bro, we'll talk about your team when they're good, and they're really good right now. So we'll talk about them a lot. Listen, first of all, sidebar: that mofo might be the most athletic dude on the planet. Who's that? Anthony Edwards might be the most athletic. Oh yeah, dude yeah, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, he yeah. might. He, no, real talk. He might be the most athletic like person walking. Um, freaky, but the shot making was incredible. But but anyway, but sorry, I digress. The point was, T. Lou's not afraid. Like he's got coverages that he'll run all over the floor. But then he's also the dude that's telling you, a la, you know, a Nick Saban or a Bill Belichick. Hey, we're going to take away your strength. I'm doubling that. Mm. I'm doubling it right now. Make him get off the ball. Like, and you don't, you don't always see that. And like some coaches do it, but a lot of guys kind of get st stuck in their coverages and they're reluctant to do certain things. I think T. Lou is very, he's not afraid to explore those type of things that, that, that as players you feel like, Hey man, you just got to get the ball out of his hands right now. I know analytics don't support that shit, but you've got to get it out of his hands. Like he's got mm -hmm. that feel. And I, I think, I think, you know, I'm getting really long winded, but, but that's a part of, he's got a great feel. I mean, he knows his shit inside and out. He's meticulous. Like we, we'd go into practices with the Cavs and it'd be his defensive assignment and these be playoff games. And, you know, I loved it because I was cut from this cloth. We'd be in there not going hard. The dudes would just be walking through a, a, a walking through a rotation. You know, you're walking through, let's say it's a double on the first dribble. Boom, we're coming down. Bam, we're kicking out to the weak side. We're all rolling. We're going to, he's going to catch in the wing and we got a, we got a red on a pick and roll that's going to naturally kind of happen on that weak side. And we got to walk through that. And then walk through that 10, 12 times just to make sure everybody knew that song and dance. So he's well prepared. He's meticulous with that. 
He's got a great feel for the game. He communicates great. And if you've been watching the Clippers, while they may not have won a championship, with that lineup and the people have been in and out of it for years with injuries and all the all of the fluctuation of that stuff, just what he's been able to do with them, I think is a testament to how good of a coach he is. I can just I'm just picturing Raja Bell, just hands on his hips in the corner of um, wherever that uh, practice facility was in Cleveland, um, just marveling at just a beautiful defensive sequence and just a defensive set. I will say this real quick because I do have a question, more questions about uh, Ty Lu, but there's nothing more beautiful than a defense that's humming when you just see this, just the sets just going like I'll, I'll be at chase center a lot. And our, and our um, people hate this, this uh, the, when you have a seat behind the basket, I love it because you can see the, all of the defensive sets from like high up. So when I see it and I see a good defensive team come through, it is glorious when they're just on a swivel and they're just, they're, they're helping the helper. Raja, they're they're defending the pick and roll perfectly into um, a kick out, and they're closing out. It's beautiful. So I could just see you in the corner somewhere, just like just tears coming down your eyes, <laughs> just seeing a, uh, just seeing a beautiful defensive set. Well, I I, I was very appreciative of, of of it, and and mind you, he was an assistant coach, and and he he just at the time you could tell while while you know he he was interviewed to be the head in Cleveland. Yeah. And for whatever reason... Did Blatt already have the job already? No, no. He did not have the job. Blatt... I wasn't there for T. Lou's interview. Um, yeah. I, I was there for David Blatt's interview. Right? So T. Lou had already interviewed Griff, Trent, Kobe already had their kind of assessment and I guess ownership had already heard about T. Lou's interview. They were very high on him when I got there. Very high. But in fairness to David Blatt, I mean, he hit a fucking home run in his interview. You know how they say some people interview well? Yeah. So he did that. Um, and then, you know, we went out to dinner and he killed the dinner. Like he just had a very good. How do you thing. kill so, a dinner? How do you kill a dinner in an interview process really quickly? Because I heard that about like what, what Mike Brown was uh, like for the Kings and his interview process just like had uh, spreadsheets and how he was going to um, handle this situation. If it comes about this situation, if it comes about how the long term vision of the team, how I'm going to get to that vision. Like that blew all the Kings officials away. What is a version of that? Like when David Blatt is trying to be the head coach of the team? Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I don't remember him spreadsheeting us and stuff like that, but he was buttoned up and had answers to just every single thing, knew the roster inside it out, had answers for, for what he was going to, to do with the pieces to try to get the most out of them, what we were going to do defensively, went into depth for some of the things that, that he thought might be able to, work in the NBA that we weren't seeing regularly in the NBA. And so it's utter preparation and, and knowing your shit inside and out clearly, because we're going to keep firing different questions at you in a loose setting to see if you're ever off. Do you know what I mean? Or if that story changes, though, he knew his stuff inside and out. You were at the, are you at the dinner? Just like, just giving him shit. Like I'm going to get him with this one. I'm going to get him with this call. Damn. You got him. No, because the other part of that, the other part of that is just being a really good, personable personality that can carry a room. Some dudes can't carry a room or mousy. They might know their shit, but you're like, he'll never be able to get up in front of a team and, and command eyes like you know, that can be hard for him to be ahead. He can be somebody's guy behind the scenes that, that does all the work, but then you're going to have to have somebody else standing up in front of the team, delivering a message, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, all right, sidebar, like the T Lou, right? 
I am a young front office dude, right? And David Griffin is like, hey, man, we're going to start getting you ready because this is part of the job. You're going to go in and address the whole team about, I don't know if it was, I don't know what it was in regards to, but I think it was something to do with medical and supplements and all of that. And I had to address the team. Now, I've never addressed the whole team. I'm, I'm, I'm the dude standing over there. I'm in the offices. I address the owners and stuff like that, right? And so I go in the locker room and you know I address the team. And T. Lou grabbed me after that. And he was like, hey, man. He was like, that's really good. Everybody can't get up in front of a group of their peers from a couple years ago and, and be comfortable to deliver a message like that. Now, that came from T. Lou, but... That's the other part of a. That's the other part of an interview process is you can carry that. And T. Lou, uh, like knew that and already had that. I had witnessed it from him. You know, he had been coaching for a long time. I didn't know exactly what it was until he kind of illustrated it for me, and I was like, you know what? I could see that because I was a little nervous going. I don't know why I would be, but like because I wouldn't have been when I was a player. But when I did have to go in there, I, I had some nerves going in there wearing my sweater and my and my fucking slacks. And it's so it's sometimes hard to do that. So that's the other part of the interviewing process. It's just being able to carry the room, being able to be a dude over that glass of wine. Like before we know it as the interviewers, we're just having a dinner. We're shooting the right. shit. You have, you have gotten all of us relaxed and this is no longer an interview. And, and, you know, David Blatt did that. I'm sure other dudes do that. I'm sure T. Lou did that, even though I wasn't there. But that was my experience with that interview. Would T. Lou, like, how did he balance? And this is the last T. Lou Cleveland question. How did he balance, like, knowing that he was going to be the head coach or knowing that he was interviewed to be the head coach, excuse me, and then kind of, like, not step on toes when David Blatt was, like, what was his process on that? When, if you, if you know that you got interviewed for this, you are now the number two. How did he approach that part? Well, that was really interesting too, because I mean, close is not doing it justice with, with how close he actually came to getting the job. Um, and I think they made him like associate head coach or something like that. So I mean, a highly paid one too. Like he was really highly paid. Yeah. So he probably at some point, the, 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 the info he was getting from his agent, I would guess was, Hey, you probably got that because that would have been the feedback he was getting prior to the David Blatt interview, right? Hey, we, we loved him, bro. We think, we think there's a good chance he's going to get that. So it had to be a huge letdown that he didn't. But when I tell you, you wouldn't have seen that ever from him. He approached it like a true pro. And again, while clearly you can be a great NBA coach without having played in the NBA, I do think there's value in having played at some level because that's a part of being a team. Like your role right, right now, T. Lou, isn't, it's not what you thought it, it would be, but you still play an integral role. And he dove into it and he attacked it. He supported David Blatt. Um, he wasn't afraid to voice his, his opinion, obviously, um, even if it wasn't in alignment sometimes. Like that's part of being on a staff too and on a team. I might not agree with everything you say, you know, and, and I'll have to push back in a way that's constructive and helps us get to the best version of what we want to do. Like he did that. I thought he played that position brilliantly, bro. And of all the coaching, like when, when you're that close to, to your first head gig and they pulled a rug out from under you, I mean, it would be really easy to come in and, and wear that on your sleeve and behave, behave and undermine and stuff like that. He didn't yep. do any of that, bro. Never. Wow. So back to the Clippers, <laughs> we see 
you know, we both had our reservations and I think for in large part, our reservations are still there um, just because no matter how good they are, it doesn't matter. They have to prove it in a few months. They have to at least follow through on that. But when you see this team, what kind of team do you see in the, in the Western conference race? Because I'll tell you what I see real quick. I see a team that they're fourth in the standings um, and the teams above them, uh, Minnesota, um, Oklahoma City in particular. Denver is a different case because they've already won a title. They're Teflon. They know what it takes to get there. But two of the three teams above them don't have the playoff experience of a Kawhi Leonard, right? Mm -hmm. Or a PG or a James Harden or Russell Westbrook, right? So if, if you have the Clippers going against a Timberwolves team who is really, really good in the regular season, but, you know, has, I think Oklahoma City is probably a better example of this, of a team that just hasn't been there before that's very, that's uber-talented. Minnesota has um, played in the playoffs. But when you see a team like that in your face in the Clippers, how dangerous could the Clippers be in a Western Conference uh, playoff outing? Because even the teams around them, right? Like, I trust the, the Clippers over the Kings. Um, I saw the Pelicans last night. I think I trust the, the the Clippers over the Pelicans and the teams that are around the Clippers aside from the Nuggets. I think I trust the Clippers more at this stage of the season. I'm going to agree with you, Logan. You know, that pains me to do that. I haven't done it too much on this pod. So he agree. Hey, everybody fuck what Roger says. He agrees with me. Okay. He, he knows that I'll be right. Like I agree with you a lot. Percent of the time, I agree, I agree with you a lot. Agree with you a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a shtick. Guys. It is. Come on. Ha ha. <laughs> Here's, here, oh man, I've apologized to James Harden before, right? I did that on a pod. My days blur sometimes. You've done it too many times, dude. I've apologized to James Are you Harden. sure you want to do this? You what, sure you want to do this this early? Well, I'm just going to, if I didn't, for some reason in my mind, like my thoughts are escaping me. Like, yeah, I, like he's been, he's been great there. Um, they are tough in a playoff for, for, for multiple reasons. You just touched on the experience and trusting some of those players in that, time of year more than some other teams. Very fair. What they can do to you and get a bucket time, right? Like yeah. I talk about this a lot. The playoffs change the game a little bit in, in, in different ways. Like people talk about it slowing down and, you know, it gets more physical and all of this and all of that. But uh, another area that it changes changes in is there, there, there's a portion of playoff games that's larger than regular season games where you're in, you got to get me a bucket mode. Yeah. Meaning you're giving the ball to somebody and they got to get a bucket. Stars got to shine. And it it's heightened in the playoffs. It becomes more imperative to have dudes who can do that in the playoffs. And they have at minimum three dudes that are bona fide can get you a bucket. Like just as as good as just about anybody. Um and most teams don't have enough wing slash guard defenders to put out those three fires. Mm-hmm. So that's that's first and foremost. Um secondly, like they can get really they can get really long athletic and well athletic is relative, right? Because they're a bunch of young cats that are probably more athletic than these dudes now, but they can get really long and stingy defensively. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, like at least two of their very, very, very good can you get a bucket dudes are also I'm gonna stop your get a bucket dude from getting the damn bucket. Quiet PG. Right. So look, I'm not sitting here telling you they'll win a championship, but when I'm saying I agree with you, not only for the reasons you said, but 
for the reasons I just spoke on. Then I just throw the topic of conversation, you know, before this into the mix is Ty Lue's really good. Ty Lue is really good. I sat with him at tables in breakfast meetings in San Francisco while he was talking to David Blatt and the coaches about what happened, you know, in game two of the finals and how we'd have to strategize because we just lost Kyrie and what we're going to have to do to, 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 to be viable moving forward. And if you remember, like we were heavily under man, we had lost Kevin Love in the Celtic series. Then we lost Kyrie in game one. You guys of the were finals. somehow up two one in the series, weren't you? But it was just, we were like, I mean, LeBron was brilliant. Um, the Delhi play people were playing phenomenal, but there were a lot of moving of the X's and O's. There was a lot of chess match being played behind, you know, the scenes. And while I'm not taking anything away from David Blatt at all, because he was the head coach, I was present like at breakfast meetings and other meetings where T Lou was doing a lot of the talking in terms of, hey, here's what here's what I think needs to get done. So like you add him to the mix and what we just talked about, yeah, I think I they're they're dangerous. I like them. I it's it's just we have to see what happens in 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 May and 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 beyond because you know historically speaking, this team always crumbles when it comes to those times, right? When they're supposed to. Last year was a bit of an anomaly because Kawhi got injured, right? But if they're fully healthy, you know, even with James Harden's playoff struggles, it doesn't matter because he's not the number one guy. It's Kawhi Leonard, yeah. and Kawhi Leonard has proven time and time again he can meet that moment. Um, and carry a team. Now we'll see what happens. Like, but I am pretty convinced that this this could this could work out. Raja, it's Thursday. You know what that means. It's time for real one of the week. I have a real one, but go ahead, Raja. Go do your thing. I don't want to take your real one. I appreciate that. Thank you for the gesture, man. Who could I go with? Originally, I was going to go with the Toronto Raptors coach. What's what's his name again? I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, Darko Ryakovic. I think I said that right. I hope I said that. I hope, right. I hope you said it right too. But originally, I was going to go with him because it was just an epic rant, and I just saw his utter disbelief in that happening in a game. Like he really was, he like, was so that, disrespected by the game. He, he was really like, was. This is a disrespect. <laughs> this is disrespect to James Naismith. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, this he is was crazy. He, this is he bullshit. Was, he was exasperated. <laughs> he could not. He really was. I felt that. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to go with the in, in the recent like football world. You know, a lot of mine come down to football. Um, that time of year. Yeah, I'll go with it's a tough one between Saban and Belichick. I'll go with Belichick. I'll go with Bill Belichick. Um, yeah, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl after he left New England, and New England hasn't been great since then. Um, I've I've told you I'm, I'm I'm a Tom Brady fan now, so it's not to take anything away, but you, you can't take away from what Bill Belichick built there. I mean, I don't know what that franchise was like, but I don't, I don't remember them being relevant when I was younger. And I know I know they had a year that they might have went to the Super Bowl against the Bears, maybe, but but he 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 just took a franchise and built it and developed and you know was a hard nosed, tough type of dude who I always liked playing for, and so. I hope he, he I hope he finds the gig he's looking for next and I hope he has success at it but he's going to be my real one of the week for his for his reign um in Foxborough and I'm not even a Patriot fan I don't even like the Patriots but I got to respect the G Look at you look at you look at you just just going right into the into the Boston propaganda the Ringer propaganda <laughs> just the whole shebang uh, 
I can't do it. I'm sorry. I gotta respect the G. I mean, shout out to Belichick. That tuck rule game still fucks me up to this day. Well, to this day, to this day, gotta catch some breaks. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We 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 got the other break on the other side. (laughs) We ain't been the same since, (laughs) Rob. Oh, but shout out to Coach Belichick. Um, I'm going to give it mine to an epic rant. I'm not sure if you saw this, Roger, but friend of the show, Stephen A. Smith, went on an epic rant. <laughs> give it him my real one of the week. Um, he said what needed to be said, and that's all I'm going to say about the situation. But it was an epic rant hmm. last night on uh, the Stephen A. Smith show. Shout out to friend of the show, Stephen A. Smith. I'm sure you heard a lot of those rants. In the, uh, did you hear a lot of those rants in the, in the uh, Sixers beat? At the no. Sixers locker room. Mm-mm. He no? was he no, was on something. Did? I was literally watching it as as the as the Riverside chat opened. I had it up. I was watching. I have to finish it. But now nah, I ain't seeing Stephen A. like that. Mm. I watched it. I was at the uh, Warriors Pelicans game last night, and I literally watched that the whole first half because it was not good basketball being played in front mm. of me. So I just I just I watched mm. that. And it was way more entertaining than what uh, was going on on the floor. Uh, Raja, who you got winning this week in, in, the, in the playoffs? Do you, do you who, who's going to be your sleeper pick this this week in the playoffs? Who do you think? Oh, so we got Cleveland at Houston. Yeah, who we got? Mm. Cleveland at Houston's a tough one. Our real ones pick them real quick. Uh, Our real ones pick them real quick before Roger get out of here. I want to ride with my boy CJ Stroud. I'm going to go with, uh, man, that's a tough one. Cleveland's playing Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Um, I'm going to go with CJ Stroud and the boys in Houston. D'Amico Ryan's in them. I, I'm going to take them. What about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm go with I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Texans as well because every like two weeks I send Raja just some YouTube shit of CJ Stroud he's one of, he's my favorite Leon quarterback he's the one hey, but I don't talk. know if that's gonna happen we'll see but anyway Dolphins Chiefs who can you got? I can I just say this though like I I was I was I was a CJ guy before there were CJ guys like real talk I used to tell my son hey bro C, CJ is the guy he's the guy. And I, I liked know, him at Ohio they're, State. They're, yeah, he was the guy. This was yeah, this was early at Ohio State. I'm like that motherfucker. He could play. Anyway, the next one I gotta look. At, I would like to be able to travel around and traverse these streets of South Florida safely. So I I should say the Dolphins. The problem is it's like subarctic conditions in Kansas City, and they got Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Like, what do you at want home. me to do at home? At like, home. What do you want me to do, yeah. man? I'm gonna it's take gonna the be, Chiefs. Hey, it's gonna be two degrees. It's, it's gonna, gonna be two be, degrees. Yeah, it's gonna. Be, I'm taking the uh, Chiefs. Damn it. Sorry, guys. Uh, Packers, Cowboys, Raja. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Take pa- the Cowboys. Uh, McCarthy, take the Cowboys. Take Cowboys. Uh, Rams, Lions. I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm, it's it's so fucked up that the Lions have to go through this. They've gone through too much at this point. All to go play against Matthew Stafford coming back home. I think Matthew Stafford's going to. And Sean McVay going yeah. against Jared Goff. I'm going with the Rams, dude. I'm going with the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams. I'd like to take Detroit, but I, I'm going to take the Rams, too. I think Matthew Stafford gets it done. Um yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with that. Hey, Jordan loves a G2, though. Shout out to Jordan Love. You know, we're taking Dak Prescott and the boys. All right, last one before Roger Buff- gets out of here. Buffalo. Eagles. Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo. Oh, I thought you were going, uh, I thought you were going Buffalo, Pittsburgh. But Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo Steelers. Yeah, I'm not yeah. fucking. No, All no. Right. Uh, Eagles, Bucks. I can't. Okay. Bro, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I don't know, man. The Eagles suck right now. Sorry, Allison, <laughs> our talent booker, uh, who's a Philly, who's a Philly gal. Sorry, you know we love you, but and my mom's a huge Eagles fan as well. I'm gonna go with the Bucks. I just want chaos, fuck it, because they don't deserve the way that they've played down the stretch. The Eagles don't deserve anything good to happen to them at this point. Yeah, I mean, I can make a case for them. They have been they've been pretty stinky lately. I'm gonna take them to beat. Baker Mayfield in the Bucks, though. Um, 
I, the Bucks are a good story. Like I'm happy for Baker Mayfield and and all of that, but I, I don't know that they've lit the world on fire in a way that even the even the Eagles playing subpar. Like I, I think the Eagles win that. Okay, we'll see. That has been another edition of Ruins. Um, it's MLK Day on Monday, so no uh, no Ruins on Monday. But we will see you guys next Thursday. Uh, tap in uh, all the shits. Bye. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.